as, as was noted a moment ago, my wife is sitting over there. Normally, she and I sit over here. But today, with my standing here in the pulpit, she says she was going to sit elsewhere. <laughs> it is good to be with you this day. I have good memories of former times when I have worshipped with this congregation and the time when my first wife died, the memorial service <clears throat> was held here. And when Pat and I were married, the wedding service was held here. So I have roots in this church, and I am thankful for the opportunity to be with you this morning. I want to say a word about the mention of the Eunice Ministries. Um, this past week, Pat knew that on Wednesday I was coming in to speak to the secretary and give her the title of the message and the scripture. And I made a note on my calendar to mention what the Eunice ministry collections were, the milk and the uh, canned tuna. But in my notes, I'd also put the word spam. That was for me. And so later that Wednesday, I mentioned Pat, I said, oh, I communicated to the secretary that it was milk and tuna fish and spam, so that's why it's in the bulletin. So let it be. So let it be. And then I want to note, uh, I had given to the secretary the scriptures which are mentioned there in the bulletin. However, it's not infrequent for me to either, from what I have printed here, because I print out the scripture so that I can read it more easily, that I'll use more scriptures than what would rightly fit on the lines in the bulletin. So just be aware that the ones printed in the bulletin will be on the screen, but there will be others I'll make reference to. And one of those is that verse of scripture that is a word of promise from God, where God says, I know the plans I have for you to give you both a future and a hope. That is God's word of promise to his people individually and to his people collectively and those who gather in the meeting places which we commonly refer to as the church. But I want to begin with reference to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 through 8. And I may have mixed up the order from what it was originally, but anyway. God's Word says there in the book of Proverbs, My son, do not forget my teachings, but let your heart keep my commandments. For the length of days and the years of life and the peace that they will add to you, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. So you will trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil, and it will be healing for your body and refreshment to your soul. At the start of a new year, it is not uncommon for some people to make a resolution. The news media, for example, recently reported that several TV celebrities, Gwen Serfani and her husband, 
Blake Shelton of The Voice, along with numerous other TV notables, have made their resolutions to quit drinking. And there are many, maybe some of your loved ones, someone that you know personally has made a similar resolution. And we must pray and wish them well, success in achieving that life goal. Some of you may have, may have made a resolution concerning your own life, financial goals, retirement goals, places you'd like to, to travel, God willing, or uh, questions about health and well-being. It's good to set such goals because these can help us to be more intentional in our desire and in our actions to grow in our relationships and in the strength of our personal well-being. Likewise, in the early days of the new year, it's a good time for each of us who are persons of faith to evaluate our own lives and refocus on priorities in terms of our personal walk of faith, the testimony that we try to live out, that it may be a witness to those who listen and who observe, and that we're growing in that relationship with Jesus Christ, both as our Savior and as our Lord. The right beginning of a new year begins with such a refocusing, both in our personal lives and in the life of the local church. As a local church, for example, <clears throat> there needs to be ongoing conversations about realistic goals that can help the church grow in its impact in the larger community. We need to clearly focus on worshiping the Lord and what that actually means and to learn more what it is to care for and encourage one another and also to have a greater or a renewed focus on our personal witness of God's love, His grace, His salvation that is available to the whosoever will believe and receive. These are worthy goals for each year each day of our earthly journey. The Bible also reveals that one day each of us will give an account of the stewardship of our lives, our opportunities, the use of our time, our talents, our spiritual giftedness, and every other thing that God entrusts for our use. The Bible says at one place, Whatsoever your hands find to do, do with all of your might as unto the Lord. With that said, hear these words from Psalms 111, verse 10. I believe the psalmist speaks specifically about where we are to begin, how we're to begin well for a new year. That verse says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all of those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. In this and other passages of Scripture, we're told that the fear of the Lord is where wisdom, real wisdom, really begins. Wisdom is the key to making good decisions within our own lives 
and in the life of his church. Each of us wants to make good choices. Together, we are members, brothers and sisters in Christ, as a congregation gathered here in this meeting place. But we share kinship, kinship with our brothers and sisters elsewhere in the world. Just a side note, when Pat and I were married here, that was a rainy day for a wedding. But she had family and friends from eastern Virginia who came, and I had friends from New Jersey and northern Virginia, and there were 11 nationalities represented in the 120 guests who were here. I didn't know that until the one who was officiating gave that announcement, I now pronounce you husband and wife, and we turned around to go down the aisle, and I looked, and I saw, and later I began to make a list of those whom I knew were here, and there were 11 nationalities. I rejoice. Though my wife has five sons by birth, I have one by birth, adopted three children. The two sons died in their 40s. I have a daughter and her husband in Indiana. I also count 28 as a part of my family. Other than the three adopted and the one by birth, the rest are international who have lived in my home or have been guests in my home. And it includes those who are formerly Buddhist and those who are unbelievers who I had the opportunity in witnessing and influencing them to receive and to know God's love and His grace and to receive His salvation. So, I come back to a verse in Proverbs, chapter 10, verse 27. There it says, the fear of the Lord prolongs life. Proverbs 19, verse 23 says, the fear of the Lord leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. So I ask the question, what does it mean to fear the Lord? First of all, to fear the Lord means seeking God's greatness and His holiness. Seeing it, seeing it, and seeking to know God as a holy God. The Bible tells us that God is a jealous God, and you and I shall have no other gods before him. Now, some folks think that fearing the Lord means to be fearful or afraid. But that's something negative. That's not what it means. That's not what the Bible teaches. God does not want us to fear him as though we are afraid and cower back, unafraid to speak, to move, to act. No. This is not a fear of terror that God is going to strike us down. Rather, it's the sense of awe. A sense of awe that comes from our recognizing His grace, greatness, His power, His majesty, His holiness, and at the same time realizing that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and that includes you and it includes me. That we are the sinner, saved but by God's grace to new life and everlasting life. 
It is when we grasp His greatness that we will also recognize our own unworthiness. And when we recognize the contrast there, we can stand in the awesome presence of God who loves us unconditionally. I read here from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. It says, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of His robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above Him, each having six wings. With two He covered His face, and with two He covered His feet, and with two He flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundation of the thresholds trembled at the voice of Him who called out while the temple was filled with smoke. And then I said, Woe is me, I am ruined. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. God is the God of righteousness. He's also the God of creation. And you and I are, though in Christ we are saved sinners, we yet are sinners. And it's only by His grace that we've been saved, and it's only by His grace that we know that we are gifted day by day with the gift of life and opportunities and that we can know His strength and His wisdom as we face the challenges that life invariably brings. This is why the Bible reminds us that we are to be still and to know that He is God. Psalm chapter 46, verse 10, for example, says, Cease striving and know that I am God, and I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now, let me make a troubling observation. Modern society, and this includes at times some of those who are found in local churches across the country and around the world, Modern society, America, and peoples around the world oftentimes have lost their sense of what it is to fear the Lord and have lost their understanding that one day each of us will give a, an account of the stewardship of our lives and our opportunities. Martin Luther of Germany Generations ago, he said that too often we're making God man-like. That means making God in our image. And when we do this, we easily excuse our neglect of, his, of what His Word instructs us to do. There are those who neglect regular services of worship, those who neglect the regular times of meeting together and encouraging one another and praying for one another. God wants us to keep on growing in knowledge and faith and understanding and in service and in witness. 
Oftentimes, worship can become more appealing to man's desires than to God's desires. That's something we have to be vigilant to watch out for. Now, let me make this observation. I sincerely hope that one day in the not-too-distant future, that this church will again have those from the larger congregation who are members of the choir. And I hope that one day, though we're missing children for the children's sermon this morning, that there will be children singing God's praise. We've got to look forward with faith, claiming that promise where God said, I know the plans I have for you to give you a future and a hope. Hear these words from King Solomon about the worship as found in this found in the book of Ecclesiastes, verse chapter five, verse one. It says, Guard your steps as you go into the house of God and draw near to listen, rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know they are doing evil. God wants us to hear. His word. He wants us to be sensitive to His voice, responsive to His Spirit, that we may grow in our own knowledge and understanding who we are in Christ for Him, and that our witness in life will impact the lives of others. The fear of the Lord leads to a willingness to obey His word. When we pay attention to the teaching of the Scripture, we know that we can do nothing of eternal value for ourselves. We must be relied upon the wisdom of His Word and guided by His Spirit and obedient to do that which we are aware that He teaches us to do. I'm reminded of what James, in the New Testament, James chapter 1, verse 22 said, but prove yourself to be doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Too often today, our contemporary approach in life, including in the local church, leads us to make excuses and say, well, let someone else do what is being asked to be done. We need to pray in this way. What will honor you, Lord? What would you have me to do? And fearing the Lord also means sharing the gospel with others. How do we do that? We do it through our intentional words when we have opportunity to speak and to share with someone based on something they have said, a question they have expressed, or a comment they have made that opens the way for you to give a testimony of your faith. How do we witness to others? We witness even though we may not be aware of those who are listening and observing to us out there in the marketplace. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 through 11 says, Therefore we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for the deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. And I remind you of what Jesus said before he ascended back unto heaven. He was speaking to those whom he had called unto himself, Come, follow me, and I'll teach you to be, what? Fishers of men. Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. A proper understanding of what it means to fear the Lord leads us to a right understanding of God's right to judge the world, and that means to judge our own lives. We grow in our understanding that He is holy as well as just, that He is gracious and loving towards all the world, but He has a special love towards those who have come to love and serve Him. Someone, some people will know the joy and the beauty of all that God has planned in the heavenly home that Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am there you may be also. Some will know that joy and behold that beauty, but some will know eternal separation and judgment of God. I'm reminded of what Paul wrote in his Galatian letter, wherein he said, Do not be deceived. God is not marked for mocked for whatever a man sows, he also reaps. The one who sows to his own flesh will reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. This year, 2024, this is the seventh day of this year. It is a time for each of us to renew our commitment to worship with others who are believers in the meeting place at the appointed hour, as well as our personal times of worship and devotion. It is a time to recommit ourselves to what it is to serve uh, with all of our might, using our life experiences and lessons and our gifts and our talents. It is a time for us to be renewed in the commitment to reach outwardly because we have looked up and beheld the greatness of God. And we have looked inwardly and know that He speaks to us, He works in, that He may work through us to reach out. Let me observe every Sunday school class, 
should have an outreach leader who continually encourages and reminds the class members to invite their unchurched friends and neighbors to come and hear for themselves what the Bible as the word of truth and good news has to say and to know there's an opportunity to interact, to voice a question, to hear the response that others give. When the deacons meet, there should be prayers for the effectiveness of our individual witness and for the effective impact of this church within the larger community. And when someone new comes into a class or into the sanctuary, you yourself, is one, as one individual, should know the importance of warmly welcoming and greeting them and helping them build a sense of connection with those who are already here. Every deacon should be involved in ministering through prayer and periodic visitation by phone, by card, or in the home, those who are members of this congregation. This is why we exist. The church is not the building. It is the people of faith who are committed to love God and to serve and to honor God. We are the church. And the world, more than ever before, needs to know that the church is alive and well and focused in proclaiming the gospel of God's love and salvation. So together, worshiping the Lord, caring for one another, witnessing His love and salvation to others, and growing together in fellowship, even as we encourage one another and lift one another up. Our hymn of commitment this morning has those words, Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. You're the what? You're the potter and I am the clay. Mold me and shape me. Let us prepare to stand and sing and let this be a time of personal renewal of our commitment unto the Lordship of Christ as his people. Have thine own way.